Chapter 66 The Forbiddance At-Tahrim In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. Why do you forbid that which God has made lawful for you, O Prophet, seeking to please your wives? God is forgiving and merciful. Tahrim is one of the three chapters of the Quran that begins by addressing the Prophet and contains verses about his family life. Quran includes issues pertaining to his personal life because his life and interaction with members of his family serve as a role model for humanity on how to implement Quran's teachings in all spheres of our daily lives. The first verse has something to do with the Prophet's relationship with his wives. For some reason, he has denied himself something that was lawful for him and probably everyone else. However, the verse provides no further details about this incident. If it were necessary to know why this verse was revealed, God would have clarified it himself. As he did not, all we need to know is the Prophet denied himself something lawful to please his wives. But as soon as he realized that God was displeased with what he had done, the Prophet, who was bound to act in compliance with his commands, immediately chose to please God instead of his wives. This incident conveys an important lesson. Do not forbid that which God has permitted even though it might be unwelcoming or frowned upon by some people. God has already ordained for you the absolution of your oaths, and God is your protector, and he is the knower, the wise. In the old days, shaking hands signified the undertaking of a mutually agreed-upon obligation. It appears that the Prophet had made a promise or taken an oath to his wives about something he had decided to do. This verse revealed that God wanted him to break this promise because if the underlying reason for making it is shown to have been wrong, there is no logical reason to keep it. People usually give more weight to the superficial and appearances, whereas God places more importance on the person's underlying intention or intentions. Of course, one must atone for breaking an oath, but that is of no concern here. When the Prophet confided a matter to one of his wives and she divulged it later on, God informed him of it. The Prophet made known to her part of it and held back a part. When he told her about it, she asked, Who told you this? He replied, The knower, the aware informed me. The Prophet once told one of his wives a secret and asked her not to disclose it to the others. Perhaps he may have found out that she had told others and made known to her part of it and held back a part or pretended not to know the rest. Most of us do not behave like this when we learn of other people's faults or mistakes. Rather, we tend to blame and scold them until we have so completely humiliated them that they will never do it again. 
but the Prophet only mentions briefly that he is aware of what she has done, for he has no interest in blaming or belittling her. Such exalted traits are specific to him, and the Sunnah contains many such examples of his exceptional character. Thus, this verse also reveals another aspect of the Prophet's character and decorum. When we learn of a person's faults or mistakes, we are to forgive them and not gossip about it with others. The next verse is addressed to two of his wives, usually held to be Aisha and Hafsa. Both of you should repent unto God, for your hearts certainly deviated. But if you continue to assist one another against him, remember that God is his protector, along with Gabriel, and the righteous among the believers. Furthermore, the angels are his helpers. They are being reproached to stop their gossiping and conspiring ill will toward others. God admonished the Prophet's wives to mind their behavior toward the Prophet and that they can never dominate someone who is supported by God. It may happen that if he divorces you, his Lord will give him wives who are better than you in terms of submitting, believing, devout obedience to God, penitent, worshipping, and given to fasting or traveller, previously married, and virgins. God is clearly threatening these women with the reality that the Prophet would not stay alone if he were to divorce them, or that he would feel lonely if they were all gone. God warns them that he would replace them with wives who are better than them in six regards, submitting to God, believers, and devoutly obedient to God. Other traits mentioned are those who repent and correct their wrongs, those who are prepared to obey and worship God, and finally, those who are constantly moving and active, an explorer, someone who does not have an inert personality. Note that none of the characteristics listed here refer to beauty and youth. This should be of interest to modern-day boys and girls. Previously married women and virgins are not add-ons to the previous traits. Rather, they denote that such characteristics may be true of both groups of women. O oh, you who believe, shield yourselves and your families from a fire whose fuel is people and stones, over which are angels stern and severe who do not disobey God in what he commands but do what they are commanded. All believers have a duty to protect themselves, as well as their spouses and children, from hell's fire and God's wrath. This verse reminds them to safeguard their family's morals and behavior. Most of us are only concerned with our spouses and children's worldly affairs and do our best to make them happy. But if we were truly concerned for their well-being, we would also be mindful of their eternal fate and want the best for them in both worlds. What does whose fuel is people and stones mean? Human beings also create a fire with their sinful deeds. 
which shall burn them in the hereafter. We do not know the nature of this fire that rises from the heart. What we do know is that human beings create it and that the angels or keepers of hell are strict and abrasive. Because that is the nature of the torment and agony found there. The guardians of hell cannot and should not be gentle with the damned because God has commanded them not to disobey or show any forgiveness or tolerance. O you who disbelieve, make no excuses for yourselves this day, for you are only being compensated for what you used to do. Unbelievers are those who disregard the truth. One example of this is those people who do not care to shoulder the duty of ensuring the proper actions and beliefs of their family, spouse, and children. They will reap in the afterlife what they have sowed in this life. As such, this future torment does not mean that God will cast you in the fire of hell, but that you shall be tormented by having to face the bitter consequences of your deeds. O you who believe, repent unto God with sincere repentance. It may be that your Lord will absolve you of your evil deeds and permit you to enter gardens with rivers running below. The day when God will not disgrace the prophet and those who believe with him. Their light will stream before them and on their right. And they say, Our Lord, Perfect for us our light, and forgive us. Truly, you have power over all things. Sincere repentance is true and from the heart. We all make mistakes and occasional slips. Reviewing our lives causes us to realize that we have been at fault and made many mistakes toward others, our spouse, children, family, strangers, and even ourselves. It is necessary to briefly explain nasuh, sincere, when you advise or admonish someone else without regard to any gain or profit, but only with the intent to benefit that person. This is called nasiha, pure benevolence. Thus, sincere repentance is 100% pure and heartfelt. Merely exclaiming, I repent, please God forgive me, and then engaging in the same activities is not repentance at all. One who repents is someone who is truly and wholeheartedly sorry for his or her deed and has made a serious decision to abandon it forever and make amends for what they have done. Their light will stream before them and on their right. For light makes visible that which lies in front of us. Thus, beings of light, believers, will always have a visible path regardless of how much they move forward. The expression on their right is a metaphor for their current deeds, which shall ease and smooth their path in the future. And they will say, Our Lord, perfect for us our light, shows that they devote themselves 
to developing their faith and benefiting from the light of truth. For they know that the path to growth and development is always open in this life and the next. And forgive us, truly you have power over all things. They ask God to cleanse them from sin and to forgive them. O Prophet, strive against the disbelievers and the hypocrites, and be harsh with them. Their refuge is hell. What an evil end! This verse about unbelievers and hypocrites has caused surprise, as people tend to wonder how it is related to the previous and following verses. Why does the Quran suddenly discuss that group in this context? As mentioned earlier, the Prophet's relationship with his family was very important as a model for the believers. But the unbelievers and hypocrites were also interested in it because they were constantly looking for ways to discredit him. In this context, to strive against does not mean armed conflict or war since the phrase, be harsh with them, comes after it. So it must be of a higher degree than previous one, a command to be stern toward these two groups and show them no leeway. Their constant conspiring forced the Prophet to be always on guard to defuse their plots and was very careful whenever he had to deal with them. Nonetheless, History shows that the Prophet never waged war against the hypocrites and that none of them were killed during his lifetime, for he followed a policy of tolerance toward them. The next three verses give two examples of believing women and two examples of disbelieving women. God cites an example for those who disbelieve, the wife of Noah and the wife of Lut who were married to two of our righteous servants and yet betrayed them so that they, their husbands, availed them nothing against God. It was said to both of them, Enter the fire along with those who enter. These verses inform the Prophet's wives that being married to him does not make them immune from mistakes and sins or guarantee that they will automatically go to heaven after they die. Betrayed them, in this context, connotes deceit and unstable belief, as opposed to its contemporary association with cheating on one's spouse. Instead of following the example of those prophets, they plotted against them and had contact with their enemies. Noah and Lut were of absolutely no benefit to these women in God's presence. Their husbands' good deeds neither absolved nor exempted them from having to do good deeds on their own. Everyone is responsible for their own life, and being related to a prophet confers no exemption to this obligation. These two women were told to enter hell with the rest of the damned. Those who believe in intercession should take heed of this verse. It is surprising how some people comfort themselves by thinking that God will forgive their sins just because the Prophet shall intercede for them on Judgment Day. 
God cites an example for those who believe. The wife of Pharaoh, who prayed, My Lord, build for me a home with you in the garden. Deliver me from Pharaoh and his deeds, and deliver me from the evil-doing people. This is the prayer of the wife of one of history's vilest despots, Pharaoh, a ruler who enslaved his people and was the enemy of Moses, the prophet of his time. Praying, build for me a home with you in the garden, connotes living in Pharaoh's palace with all of its glitz, glamour, and gravitas had no attraction for her. She goes on to pray, Deliver me from Pharaoh and his deeds, showing that she despised her husband but could not save herself from him. She continues, And deliver me from the evil-doing people, which shows that it was not a personal matter but that she was disgusted with the evil and oppression he inflicted upon his people. This shows that a woman can live in a palace as the wife of one of history's most evil men, but still have the love of God in her heart. This is extremely important, for her prayer reveals that there is no such thing as a victim of circumstance, and that one's situation does not compel her or him to do certain things. Pharaoh's wife was living in the most difficult of circumstances imaginable for a believer, but managed to keep her faith. This particular prayer makes another important point in terms of judging others. We may consider a criminal's wife to be the same as her husband. This is not a proper judgment, for she may be a true and faithful person who has the misfortune of being married to a bad person. And Mary, daughter of Emran, she guarded her chastity, so we breathed into her from our spirits. She believed our Lord's words and his scriptures, and was truly among the devoutly obedient. The second example is the Virgin Mary, the daughter of Joachim. The verse says that she preserved her chastity and that we breathed into her of our spirit, which denotes the exceptional ability she was given. Words in she believed our Lord's words and his scriptures can mean Jesus or moral virtues. Mary did not just believe in the literal sense, for her very being was an expression of high moral virtues. She is the embodiment of divine virtues of modesty, piety, kindness, forgiveness, patience, and similar virtues. Furthermore, his scriptures means that she expressed the scriptures' rules, commandments, and values in her very being. The verse ends with, and was truly among the devoutly obedient. Here, the word qanit, obedient, means being humble and obedient to God. In conclusion, Pharaoh's wife was completely under her husband's dominance, but nevertheless maintained her faith in God and sought immunity and exemption 
from her husband's disbelief and oppression. Mary was under no man's dominance, for her father had passed away before she was born, and she had no brothers. Thus, it makes no difference if a woman is completely free of male influence or controlled and dominated by a man or men in a patriarchal environment. In either case, she can be independent in terms of her faith and belief and thus serve as a role model for others in religion and faith. She is who she is and independent of whom she is married to. God made this point 1,400 years ago by proclaiming that a woman's value and worth is not tied to her husband or men in her family. These examples are in fact a message to all believing women that, at least in terms of where they will spend eternity, they can depend upon no one but themselves.